Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ah, so let's unzip the old uh, tent flap. That was rubbish, wasn't it? And um, let in the sweet sound of summer. The sweet smell of uh, festival season is upon us as we forge through our A to Z of festivals. Um, Recorded this one a month or so ago with my old sparring partner, Simon, who founded End of the Road around the same time as we founded Bestival. So um, I've always been... Very admiring, maybe slightly envious even of his lineups. Um, Simon has got an incredible uh, music taste and has followed a real kind of vision. Um, a creative chap and uh, yeah, incredible kind of talent booker. Um, like us, he's had some, uh, you know, the first year was a, a financial disaster in their own words, and then um, and then it kind of uh, picked up, and he's just followed this very steady path of incredible. Um, bands from The Shins to Joanna Newsom to Tame Impala, Sufjan Stevens, uh, Mac DeMarco, and then broken so many, helped break so many new bands of late. So, um, yeah, I was really chuffed to meet up with Simon from End of the Road, which has got a very, very loyal following. So, if you're one of those loyal uh, End of the Roaders who uh, journey down to Llama Tree Gardens every September, then welcome along to the A to Z of Festivals with Rob DeBank and this. This week's special guest, End of the Road, Simon. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, we are back in the A to Z of festivals with myself, Rob DeBank, and very, very pleased to be joined this week by Simon Taff from End of the Road. How you doing, Simon? I'm good. Thank you for <laughs> dropping by into our little podcast lair. Thank you for asking me to be here. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, when, when I, 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 I have to admit that as soon as I kind of came up with this uh, this idea, then you, you guys were one of the first um, first ones that I thought of inviting in, because... Apart from being an incredible festival, we we sort of fell on the same weekend or around the same time for quite a long time, didn't we? With the first two or three years, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we were we were sharing bands, yeah, yeah. With uh, with end of the road and festival. So, and and how many years have you been guys been going now? It's the fourteenth year this year. Wow, it doesn't feel like it. Feeling it's... old? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, it's weird to think there's fourteen years because it feels like it's kind of been going five years. So I guess we've been having fun. Yeah, that's a, that's a good sign. Yeah. You're not feeling not feeling bored of it. Okay, cool. Well, we always have this little uh, fun in inverted commas, uh, true or false, at the beginning, just to kind of uh, limber up. So, um, true or false, Simon? Uh, the end of the road site is at the historic Llama Tree, where King John John used to hang out in the 12th century in between bouts of hunting and feasting. True. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, so is the llama tree still actually there? 
Uh, is, is there an actual tree? No, no. I think I actually don't know. I should know why that's called the llama tree, but I don't think there is an actual llama tree. I don't even know what the hell the llama tree is. <laughs> so, well, I, th- I think I know it was a Victorian pleasure gardens like used for entertainment, for, like a um, hundred thirty years ago, and then it over it overgrew, and this guy cleaned it all up, and then it was back to entertainment again. So it's kind of got a lot of history there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was Wikipediaing it, and yeah. the, the llama tree. Um, just for your, our little history <laughs> lesson, was is the um, tree that divided Wiltshire and Dorset. Oh right, okay. And, uh, mm. well, there you go. You, know you can wow your bands with that fact when you're yeah. having trouble signing a particular act. You can say, "Wow, oh, that's where the llama tree used to be." I'll stop banging on to American bands who don't know Thomas Hardy <laughs> and think that I'm yeah. talking about the actor because he wrote a lot of. Uh, Tom Hardy, yeah. Tom Hardy. <laughs> Thomas Hardy used to write a lot of poems and wrote some of his book Inspiration there as well. So that's one of the facts I know. <laughs> and I mentioned that to an American band. I think I'm Not talking me. about Bane from yeah. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, true or false, uh, the Peacocks in the Llama Gardens, beautiful uh, venue, had a punch up about their fave ever headliner, but the Peacocks eventually voted for Joanna Newsom. I think. I don't know, it might be true. Um, Are they making appreciative noises? Yes, they do make appreciative noises when certain bands play, but I'd have to say it's false. Okay, good. <laughs> I think that's correct. Yeah, um, the, uh, I mean, we have a... I don't want to say a peacock problem because I'll get in trouble, but uh, at the, um, the Camp Bestal site there's some peacocks that seem to get up particularly early the last couple of years, and, um, I mean, you guys are sort of famed for your... Peacocks and macaws. Is yes, that right? that's right. Yeah, are um, they both noisy or the macaws can be noisy? There's only a few of them, uh, but yeah, it's quite funny. I, again, with the American bands, because I've had quite a lot of the years saying, "Where do I get the peacocks from?" Like we hire them in. <laughs> right, so, okay. I'm just going to bash on Americans. <laughs> have, you, have you ever been asked for any peacocks on the rider? Maybe. No, I've been asked for a dog on the rider before like a, which we got for, really? Black, for Black Mountain yeah a, so, a, a live dog a live dog so we just put a you know friendly Labrador in their dressing room and left it <laughs> really? yeah did the owner ever get it back yes one of our, one of our health and safety people like her husband's blind or something so he had a, gu- a proper guide dog because you're yeah. not allowed like pets on site in general so no we just borrowed it so it's <laughs> funny to keep with their ridiculous request oh god I remember Annie Mack um, asked for a Cayman DJ in Portsmouth a couple of years ago and she asked for a, for a piglet I shouldn't probably be saying yeah. this, but they did actually have a piglet waiting in a dressing room when she arrived there. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> I think it was treated humanely and returned. Yeah. But, um, okay, cool. Um, true or false, Simon? Uh, the artwork for 2019 features people with avocados for heads. That's right, yes. True. Any particular relevance? I just leave it to Kai Wong, my designer, who we've been working with since day one, pretty much, and he just... He just goes with whatever he goes with each year and he does the animation videos and we just let him do it, so no particular reason. Okay. His mad little mind. <laughs> yeah, just, just like avocados. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, true or false, uh, you have an act playing this year called Pigs, 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 Pigs. Yeah, times seven, I think it is. Yeah, seven pigs. Yeah. Are they uh, good? They are really good. Yeah, really fun, loud, noisy, kind of metally band but very catchy yeah. yeah 
didn't just book them for the name. It was partly that. Well, actually, one of them was in another band playing last year, I believe, and they were just asking to play, and they told me their name, and I was, it was kind of like I would have almost booked it just because of the name. Yeah. I don't need to hear the music. <laughs> yeah. Just get, get yourselves on the poster. Okay, cool. And um, last but not least, you own your own water plant in Jaigiri, India, which is wind-powered by mandolins. Um, true. No, it's false. Yeah. Partially true, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you do, you guys do uh, do you fund a water plant in? I in think India? yes, we do through the charity. But yes, I get by. I don't think I personally own it. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. But I, I was I was sort of sorry. Yeah. Helpfully alluding to the fact that you do some great work for charity. Yes, we do. Yeah, <laughs> I think we own a forest in Scotland as well. On that, in that case. Do yeah. you really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Like a small mini. Like we donate towards trees up there. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. A water plant in India and a forest in uh, Scotland. That's a good, good start. So. so Simon, um, this is your life. No, this, uh, end of the road. Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, we, we've obviously shared a kind of a festival history in terms of the amount of time. Very, very different uh, festivals, obviously. I mean, you guys really pioneered that kind of indie, alt, kind of folk, rock, kind of blueprint. And, you know, four, 14 years? Yes, 14, yeah, 14 years. years yeah. later, still absolutely smashing out of the party. You, you've, I mean, is it, am I right in thinking you've been selling out every year since 2008? I think pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. So that's yeah. ten ten years. Yeah, yeah. Pretty healthy. So, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm always surprised, but I never never get complacent because you never know. But yeah, it's always kind of worked, and I've kind of followed my heart and booked bands from my record collection. So yeah best way I mean hopefully some of your uh, faithful uh, followers and um, people that come to End of the Road will be listening but you know for people that are just um, fans of festivals and, and haven't been you know how would you sum up uh, End of the Road I guess when I was younger I used to go to loads of festivals Glastonbury all tomorrow's parties um, I went to South by once and it's kind of like all my f- originally it started off with all my favourite elements of festivals and getting rid of the things I didn't like about festivals. So it was born from that, and it was literally born from that joke that you have around the campfire at Glastonbury, like, if you were organising your festival, who would your perfect headliners be? And we did that, and then afterwards, oh, maybe maybe we could do a festival. So, yeah, that that's what it's a... It's a mix of lots of different elements. Like, I like all tomorrow's parties. I like the element of... They had a lot of surprise bands, and it was the unknown, and bands used to get involved with creating little areas so I kind of took little bits of that and then Glastonbury I liked the whole idea it was all inclusive it wasn't like that separate barrier that you have like a Reading where you camp and everything's so I made that all like that and the fact you can bring your own booze and I tried to make it less like airport security so I got rid of that element but brought in you know so different bits and the cider bus I used to just be obsessed with when I was 17 so yeah. we asked the Somerset cider bus who brothers. Only, yeah who only ever did Glastonbury so we asked them to come and it's become a part of the institution of End of the Road so it's just little bits and picking out the best bits and yeah so you, said, so you said that's quite interesting that you said um the bits that you didn't like as well, not just the bits you did like. So, like you say, the airport security and stuff. And anything else that you thought, oh, I there was really get up my nose. I'm not. Gonna- yeah, I mean there were. I mean tie dye kind of gets up my nose and lots of like <laughs> over hippie stuff. So I did ban all traders from selling tie dye or candles. You like, I just misery. got. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I really, you know, hate it, but I was just like, it, a lot of festivals had that, so I was like, I don't want that. So I was trying to go for this more sort of boutique, you know, sort of 
feel. I don't know. Yeah. And you and I mean I think it's fair to say in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in a good way that you have a sort of type. I mean you've got a very broad um, demographic, but also you know it's a type of people that maybe wouldn't be seen in a tie dye and uh, yeah, it's a very sort of I guess yeah, hipsters might be the word, but it's, it, I would like to think it's music lovers, like people that actually go out and buy vinyl and get excited about totally. buying records each week still. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, cool. So I mean, casting your mind back to uh, 2006 when you when you first kicked it off, like um, you know, I, I remember the feeling of opening the, the the gates, the door, whatever it was, um, the fence on on our first uh, yeah. festival. What you know, what what was that feeling like, and had it been an insane kind of ride up to that point, or was it all quite smooth? Uh, no, I mean it was very scary because I kind of went in a bit naively but then also got stubborn and wasn't you know we almost pulled the plug about six times before it happened and I probably didn't yeah I didn't sleep one bit for a whole like at least a week and a half before the festival but adrenaline kept me sort of going but was that nervous about how it was ticket sales or how it, it was, was tickets gonna... yeah it was ticket sales as well and it was like we just like sold enough tickets to, to make it feel like there was some sort of audience there and then we, we like gave away like 400 tickets in the first year like we ran competitions and let everyone win because we were just trying to get the numbers there and yeah. then it was like life or death because it was like if it had rained or poured that weekend, I reckon the numbers wouldn't have been enough to create an atmosphere. And then we got this bad, really bad forecast, so I just couldn't sleep for a week. I thought, okay, I'm fucked, I've lost, I'm gonna lose two, three hundred grand. I'm gonna lose my money, my, every, you know, I got my friend to remortgage his house. I thought everything. <laughs> you got your friend to, yeah. how did that conversation go? I, I kind of, I, he was really lackadaisical. I, he, I guess I lent him about 40 grand for a tax bill before that, and, I guess I was in a good position and he was just like, yeah, no problem. And he, I guess he always thought I, I was entrepreneurial and, and, and that I would honour his debt. So You're a very nice I, friend, Simon. Yeah, I mean, I did, we, he's we a very nice... to hang out more. Yeah. Well, he just said, I just said, you know, worst comes to worst, I'm going to be paying off this mortgage, which is X amount a month. You know I know how to bring... So it was kind of like that. But yeah, it was very, very scary and hairy and... We, I went in, you know, a bit blind. I was 24. I'd never done it. We'd never done an event before ever. So, <laughs> well, no, no sort of warm yeah. up, no sort of lead in. Just like bosh, three day festival. It, yeah, I mean, it was a lot, it was a, yeah, there's a lot more to the backstory because I got excited because I kind of worked out the numbers on the back of a, an envelope. Like, okay, how much? It, I phoned the enemy up. Like, how much it cost to put an ad in there? And I was like, okay, that's that. They phoned up some bands and tried to get some rough ideas of fees and worked all out. Oh, that'll work. Just an ad and enemy, and that's. That's that done. So, and it turned into like running around every festival in the country, putting leaflets on car park. It was very hard work to just, just to even get those extra numbers. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like an old um, fuddy-duddy to any of the younger listeners, but um, you know, back then there was actually no internet, was there? And uh, there was no. Um, I mean, there was. An there was internet, a little bit, but it wasn't really. Yeah. yeah but you, you couldn't like build up a fan base of um, you know a social media thing and shout about it like that. It was adverts. It was flyers. It was like you say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think MySpace was just... MySpace was around, and Facebook was just coming around. But also, I was being too cool about that all, so I was like, fuck Facebook, fuck yeah. MySpace. So I didn't, thing is never so going to take Yeah, off. yeah, so I was like, no, I'm not doing that. That's cheesy. So I kind of stabbed myself in the foot and got on social media, <laughs> like, not till 2009. <laughs> well, it's, it's worked for you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. Um, okay, so the 2006 edition, um, it was headlined by Josh Ritter, Badly Drawn Boy, and Ryan Adams. So yeah, we're not allowed to mention the Ryan Adams, are they? <laughs> okay, yeah. no, we'll edit we'll that bit out. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it happened, it was on there, I was a fan of his music, well, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, incredible <laughs> headliners to, to, to kick off your first show. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was very exciting, and Richard Hawley played as well, um, who actually helped us a lot in the second year, because he loved it and gave me a lot more contact so I didn't really know that many we used to just hang around Sophia or I would hang around after bat and sound checks and just give them like flyers and like a, a mixtape saying these are the type of bands we want to book do you know would you like to play and we kind of got excited off that energy our bands are talking to us and stuff like that I and mean, we didn't even know what booking agents were until we got a call from an irate booking agent saying what the fuck are you doing <laughs> talking to our bands that's how we found out what a booking agent was yeah. so then we started going through the proper channels well you can tell from looking at your lineup <laughs> and seeing those sort of artists like the Joanna Newsoms of the world who we tried to book 10 years running at festival and you know she would always end up at yours because she, you know they knew it was the right um, festival and the right crowd and probably her heart would get the, the love and uh, devotion it, it, re- it required but I mean is that been part of the so that's been a big part of your sort of DNA is is, is those personal relationships with the artists yeah I think so it's like paid off as well like getting obviously you know tell, it's more like the word spreads because a lot of those artists are all sort of friends of each other's and once someone like Joanna Newsom plays and then she's friends with, you know, Robin Petnall from Fleet Foxes and the Fleet Foxes want to play and it kind of all connects up because it's quite a small world, that world, in one way, so... Um, so what, what's, the, what's the booking that's sort of come out of that that you are like, yes, you know, when you get that email or that phone call that you're like, Fleet Foxes or... Yeah, I mean, I, Grant or what? I guess I kind of... I mean, I, I know, you know, you make music videos and stuff, so I'm quite close with a lot of artists, but I stop like going around gigs of hot bands trying to get them to play but I used to put all my energy into it because I knew we didn't have the power or clout to throw sort of many bigger festivals but I guess the first two years I kept on every single year writing a postcard giving him stamp collections making him illustrations with Sophie and Stevens and he never played an outdoor festival until End of the Road so it, I mean, it wasn't because it, it, and it worked out timing because it was our tenth anniversary, and he headlined the festival. So I guess for me, that's the personal one that was like, okay, well, that was worth it. And then he posted a little letter we dropped to him ten years ago that he'd kept. So that was quite that's sweet. Yeah, yeah, he keeps all my letters as well. It's not, <laughs> it's not just you. So when Sir Shen Stevens, um, play, you know, finally got on stage after all this, you know hard work that you put into it was it as, as magical as you'd hoped yeah absolutely I mean he's incredible live and 
a lot of people think it's just going to be a quiet vote show but it can be anything like sometimes you think you're watching the flaming lips when you're watching <laughs> a lot of bells and whistles but I mean he's just incredible live performer I mean the feeling of when he confirmed which is seven or eight months before it's like you're dancing on the ceiling and there's, there's only a certain act that will give me that feeling which I'm sure you've had with The Cure or other acts you've booked where you're just like it's you, it's a moment and he makes you feel that that's why we do this and and then the next year you're like oh god I've just reached the pinnacle yeah. how am I ever gonna yeah. <laughs> get up there again yeah no I wish <laughs> I could just be like some sort of okay I've done my favourite album now uh, that's it I'm not gonna do business anymore <laughs> yeah 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 but it's too late you're, yeah. uh, you're in deep yeah I, could, yeah I wish I could just do a Daniel Day-Lewis yeah that was my favourite <laughs> best film never gonna peak that that's it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so we were talking before we uh, turned the mic on about um, about the capacity of um, of Lama Tree Garden so again I, I know we talked a bit about it but I mean I went down there for one of the one of the big chill um, things obviously you guys have nearly always clashed with us so I haven't made it to your festival I'm, I'm hoping to this year but um, you know t- t- tell us a bit about the site and what, what it looks like during the festival and the, the, you know the peacocks and the gardens and the- I mean yeah it's got a lot of forest area which we've started to expand into and built like boats and trees and have you know light up dance floors in the forest so that's always always lends itself from your normal festival with just open fields you can get a bit boring there's not much you can play with so it's got this beautiful forest area and on top of that it's got like a national trust kind of gardens area with uh, um, all these little secret hideaways we we would do a lot of secret shows in the woods and that's a really special area where the garden stage is in this huge clearing which was originally where the main stage was and then there's an old race course um, out the front but yeah it's limited to capacity but it's such a beautiful site that I just don't think we'd ever want to move yeah and and we were talking also about um, you know families. So it's it's, it's quite a broad demographic, like yeah. you said. But you know some families, a lot of couples, yeah, stag parties, hen nights. We try not to let people buy more than we try and discourage stag parties. To be honest, because they can just they can like ruin the atmosphere if there's twenty lads just going mental and. That, a lot of the time you find the stag parties are just there for the fact it's a festival they're not going to the festival because they know that music so they're just having this other party within so I, we do I, try I, and yeah I, yeah I mean you know in the nicest possible way I think a stag party turning up at the end of the road might be might be disappointed yeah I mean I'm not saying it, yeah I'm not saying it hasn't happened but we do try and discourage like you get people who call and find our way of saying can we buy 20 tickets and we just say no yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> stick, you stick to your guns. Okay, so um, I'm asking everyone, um, you know, what what the magic of festivals is is for people, and it's nice that you said, um, you know, you're 14 years in, but it feels like five or six years, and you know, it it must feel still, you know, keeping you young, and you're, you're still excited about it. You know, what yeah. what is that? Is it the buzz of booking your dream headliner or is it the actual weekend or which bit of it is it that I mean the actual weekend's a mo- like a real special moment because you see a lot of people who are really happy and sort of get away from their lives and it's a great atmosphere and that's I'm really proud of that and this thing that you've created and everyone's created and part of this sort of unity and it, it feels like a giant family and that's that's a really good feeling and I always find w- w- any good festival you're at you always just meet random people and that's part of that whole I don't know celebration of I I don't know what it is it's that feeling of just being amongst like-minded people I suppose but then the other great feeling is creating it and putting the bands together still getting excited about new music 
and that's really good when you announce your first lineup and you you can be proud of what you sort of put together and you think I love all that music. Yeah. yeah. And is it the same team that work on it every year? Is it sort of, um, you know, obviously you work with a core team during the year and then... Pretty much, yeah. We've got, we've got a core team throughout the whole year and then it's the same production team that's been coming. We've had people, yeah, the decoration team's really important, who's close friends of mine, Jason and Molly, because we do a lot of, like, site decoration and little fun things in the forest and they've been involved since day one. I mean... I, I'm from a carpentry decorating background, so we used to we used to build our, all our own sets with all my mates, and I was You're very a jack involved. of all trades. Video, <laughs> video director, carpenter, yeah, mon- probably money too vendor. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I mean, obviously, yeah, we all have our sort of ups and downs. Um, you know, the high points and the low points. What are the kind of, without you know anything um, too t- too sinister, but you know, any any kind of really you know moments where you've just been like, oh, I just can't do this anymore. It's um. It's all too stressful. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that. I've always kept going because it's always been too exciting. But the first year was definitely the hardest because I told all these bands that that they could play and I, I felt so connected as a sort of 24 year old. Oh, these bands are talking to me and they're, they're going to love it. And I didn't want to let anyone down. And I was building these connections in the music industry, which was, for me as a kid growing up, 17, 18, you know, posters of Jarvis Cocker on the wall and Richard Hawley, you know, and stuff like that. And I was like, it, I felt so privileged to be part of it. And I was just like, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to let anyone down. I was working with Rough Trade were helping me a bit because they had their first stall there. And I was like, I used to shop there, you know, every week religiously. And I was just like, it was more like I just couldn't fuck this up. But I was watching myself just lose money, lose money, lose money. You know, you see how tickets are not selling and you're like working it out. And you're like, well, if I pull the plug now, then I've only lost blah. But if I, you know, so it was, that was the most stressful year. And then it got easier the second year we lost a bit of money and then we started paying it back. But it always felt, you know, it's an incredibly risky game. Has your, has your friend managed to keep hold of his house? Yes. And he's, for, <laughs> That's for, good. yeah, he's, he got paid back. So excellent. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, competition is a is a big thing. I, I know you you've ploughed your own furrow and you've got an, an amazing you know faithful crowd and you're you're, you're selling out. But I, I think any any sane promoter is always kind of looking over their shoulder and wondering what what's happening out there. And I think it's you know it's probably fair to say you yeah you've got a very u- unique niche, but there are other festivals you know knocking on that door and uh, absolutely. Um... Do you have sleepless nights about that, or do you just? Go I on with I did use I used to, after like year three or four because like there were other festivals that also popped up that I didn't know would pop up on the first year that I did. Latitude started at the same time as us, but I didn't know when I was announcing into the road that that was going to come up behind me. And you know, after three or four years, there are a lot of other festivals in our world or in the sort of green man end of the road world. And I used to get worried, but now, and people still do on my team, like, oh, they've got this, they've got that. But I just feel like I d- I'm, not, I d- I'm not bothered anymore. I'm just like, just do what you do and do the best you can. And yeah, of course I get annoyed sometimes because I can't get a particular band because there's exclusivities and that kind of, all that shit that you have to go through to sometimes get a big band. Yes, but I don't, I just try and, if you start thinking, you've got to keep an eye on the competition, but if you start getting too into it and anxiety about it, it never works. It's just like... Yeah, you're taking you. Yeah, my thing is like push the boat out and try and do, you know, pay, 
lots of attention to detail because a lot of the bigger festivals that are run by a corporation of 10 people deciding can't give that personal touch and absolutely yeah. absolutely very wise words okay so um, yeah we're talking to uh, Simon from End of the Road on the A to Z of festivals with Rob DeBank and uh, yeah so 2019 uh, your your lineup mega as ever absolutely uh, phenomenal range of acts uh, Beirut Metronomy Michael Kiwanuka um, let's talk about some of those. Beirut must have played. Um... Yeah, Beirut have headlined before. Obviously, you know, very typical end of the road, pleasing bands. Um, I, I mean, I get, I'm excited about the headlines, but I, I always get so excited about the sort of smaller bands as well. And like, you know, really excited about Kikakamoyo, um, Japanese sight band, Black Midi, who I think are one of the most exciting young new bands around. So, so what does Black Midi sound like? Uh, it's hard to describe, really. I, I guess it's kind of a little bit jazzy, a little bit post-punk, but, you know, they're like 17-year-old kids who are, like, phenomenal musicians, and they've got this amazing black jazz drummer who just is, like, just incredible to watch. He takes his top off, and you just watch it. It's like watching this... Like, you think they've been playing for 20 years kind of thing. So right. They're... I can see, yeah, I can see the why the buzz, yeah, and they're great, great, great life. So, a lot of those those smaller bands that you're excited of introducing people to, because I guess that's kind of what I've done all my life. I've always been that kid who's like 13 years old, running around to my mates house. So, have you heard the, this band, the White Stripes? You know, and no yeah. one knows them, and being the first, like that's such a good feeling to to right. share music. Right, and I guess that's what we do. Cool. I'll be I'll be <laughs> checking them out straight after the show. Um, okay. So yeah, just. Um, a couple of the other um, acts from the from the bill, uh, Bilge Pump. Bilge Pump are incredible. They're actually just getting they're just getting a bit of a name for themselves. But it was my girlfriend that I've been with for a year and a half, who's got like a really like arty taste to the point where she hates all my bands, but she loves this band called Bilge Pump. So I thought I'd surprise her and book them. But I've kind of known about them for years. But they're actually influencing a whole new wave of bands. They've been around since like. I think 98 but they've just started to get a name for themselves kind of post-punk band that would would have played early ATPs John Peel used to always put them on and people just forgot about them but they've just been consistently playing live and there's band from underground band from Leeds that you know music fans just absolutely love but they are just phenomenally crazy live energy yeah and uh, Viagra Boys uh, yeah their band I saw a Swedish punk band I was the, you're picking out all the ones with the, the fun names. Yeah, no, I, went, I, just, I was just... Guilty as charged. I was at Rough Trade. I go there once a week to buy records and the guys just said, oh, they're playing tomorrow night and in store at six o'clock. I went to see them and I thought, they're brilliant, reminded me of The Fall and all my favourite punk bands. And I was like, yep, put them straight away. Fantastic. Um, OK, and uh, obviously Jarvis Cocker's playing. So uh, so he's uh, playing under his Jarvis yeah. um, moniker. What, what is that? He's playing... It's kind of what he... I think he's... Well, I've spoken to him. He's kind of road... I believe... I mean, I don't want to say too much of it, but I believe he he's using it to road test new music, which will end up on a record. Okay. Or he's going to... And he's been working with this collection of um, musicians who are amazing, and he's just... He's only been playing these shows live, but he, I think he plays the odd pulp song and then plays stuff from his Jarvis repertoire. But yeah, no, that should be good. Yeah, so he's he's kind of a special guest with the headliners. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, he's actually headlining one at the Garden Stage on Sunday night, so it'd be amazing. He's been to the festival a few times, like DJ'd, and he's come with his son, and I think he really enjoys it. And I've kind of got to know him over the years, and. I think he's just. I mean, everyone, anyone who's seen Paul Jarvis knows that he's an amazing he's front God. man. Yeah, he's God, he, he? he doesn't even need to play music half the time. He can just talk. And <laughs> he could just turn up and stand yeah. there in his glasses, looking pretty. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to whiz back to a couple of um, highlight festivals, maybe just from ones that I've picked out myself, but just to talk about a little bit. So, 2015 uh, is when you celebrated your 10th anniversary. Uh, so, this is a pretty impressive lineup. You yeah. had Tame Impala, Sufjan Stevens, The War on Drugs, Mac DeMarco, Future Islands, My Morning Jacket, Laura Marlin, Django Django. I'll sort of stop there, but yeah. I could keep going. There's a lot of other names that have either were already big or have become even bigger. And um, Yeah, I mean, that was a very... It was People think that's because it's my 10th anniversary. I went and spent some extra money. I didn't. I got lucky bands land on your weekends sometimes. But also, that was just one of those perfect years where I was getting a lot of bands who were on the up, but weren't quite huge yet like yeah. Mark and Future Islands and right. probably thanks to you we kind of shared Tame Impala and made that happen I, I did. we did yeah um, because I remember speaking to the and agent Future and, Islands I think yeah but I remember speaking to the agent it was about Tame Impala was going to have a July period and I remember saying that to Charlie saying that you know that Rob would definitely do it yeah. and I think and uh, that he might not mind sharing it so that's how that that team parlor happened, and then the next year they were second from the top of Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> and any uh, any uh, crazy uh, rider demands on that year? Can you remember any? Um... Uh, no, I know we got like. Oh, I think Team Impala asked for like underwear, <laughs> or like loads of like swim trunks or something. So we got it with their band logo on it we got it all made by some merch company wow live dogs and speedos yeah that's what it was yeah okay uh, 2016 um, I'm not going in chronological order but again uh, The Shins Joanna Newsome Animal Collective Back for Lashes Cat Power another good yeah that was a strong I I mean every year is kind of different and exciting to me Um, but yeah 2015 is, is hopefully we can do that again (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, popping into uh, the uh, festival booth with me. And, um, yeah, so 2019, the dates are... Uh, I should know, really. 30th <laughs> of August, 31st and 1st of September. Okay, so have you yeah. come? Have you changed a week this year? No, we just always land now the week after bank holiday. So that and that kind of moves, I think. Yeah. So we're always just a week after Reading. And then spend from now till September praying for sun. Yeah, we've been lucky, though, in that September period. It's been better than... Yeah, I mean, well, we've had one year... Of, we've had one year or two years where it's rained in the daytime. So, pretty happy about that. Long may it continue. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. Fantastic <laughs> festival. Thank you, uh, thank you for, for dropping by, and uh, good luck with it all, Simon, from End of the Road. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> it's a virtual handshake. Yeah, it virtual. doesn't sound so great on radio, but... Um, high five? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. <laughs>